Lord, we just want to come before you and give this time to you. May you uh, lead us in this workshop. Lord, we confess this is maybe tire, tiring time for those who are traveling in. Um, and so, Lord, we just pray that you would quicken us by the Holy Spirit, that we may be alert, we may have strength, that we may be tuned in, Lord, to what you want to speak to us. And so, Lord, may you make this a fruitful time, a productive time. Give us ears that are ready, hearts that are ready. Lord, we know that you have a word for us. Therefore, we, it is our prayer that you would not allow us, any of us, to miss what you have to say to us. So, Lord, give us ears that are ready and open. We commit this time once again to you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi. So, my name is Lawrence. Uh, in case you don't know me, I do meet here in Flushing. Now, um, the topic, so we have, as you know, we have four workshops. Uh, this is one of them. And if you think back, just, you know, anyone remember what the theme is this year? I press on, I press on right? So it's from that verse that we all read from Philippians 3, right? 3.14. And now if you remember the verse... Right? It has kind of, if I, if I were to simplify a little bit, there are two parts to it. Right? The first part, as Brother Daniel talked about this morning, that it talks about you know, knowing that there's a goal, there's a prize. Right? That's part one. And then there's a part two to it, which is, it talks about pressing on. Right? And if you think about it, right, knowing the goal, knowing the prize, does that win you anything? Not necessarily. You need that, but that in, by itself is not enough. Now, if you're pressing on, but you don't know what the goal is or what the prize is, you know, does that help you win? Well, also, you may be actually running a different race, right? And so, actually, you need both. And, you know, before, and, and, frank, and actually, what I want to share with you today is the second part, right, which is that pressing on part. Uh, but before I get to that, I just want to say that, you know, as, as I, you know, really uh, sought the Lord regarding this theme, I really, I almost give you this analogy, right? Ha- have you seen these, um, this, uh, you know, sometimes you get these links or, you know, things that friends may tell you, hey, you know, if you go to this site or you, know, you click here, you know, you get a free Starbucks, like, gift card, $10. Like, you just, you just click and then you'll get one, right? And then, of course, most of you are like, yeah, that's probably fake. Right, it's not really real, and so you know, don't bother. Uh, until you were like, oh wait, actually that was real. <laughs> I actually get it. Uh, only then to find out that, oh, but it's too late. It's already all gone, right? And I almost wonder, right? It makes me wonder. You know, I, I don't know about you. You know, whether what you heard from Brother Daniel this morning is this sort of news to you? Have you heard it before? Are you even interested? in what that goal, what that prize is, right? But I would just, you know, even before I start my part, right, I would, I would just throw it out to you and say, what if, what if what you heard is actually, the reality of it is even way better than what you heard? And what if you don't even realize that? What if you kind of have discounted that? What if you thought that was nothing, like that Starbucks gift card? But in reality, what if later on you were to find out this is actually real? But only then you find out that there is not much time, or maybe there is all the time in the race has run out. Like, what a pity. What a miss. 
what a tragedy almost, you know, that would be. So, you know, before even I get to my part, that's almost like, you know, if we don't even have that openness to the Lord to say, you know, have you have we even thought about, because obviously what the Lord has prepared for us is way better than, you know, uh, that's a bad analogy, right? Like a Starbucks gift card. It's way better than that. Right? But what if you are actually missing out on that and you just didn't realize? You don't want to wait till later to find out and then regret, oh, why did I not do that? Like, what was I thinking? So, but today I want to focus on that second part, which is the pressing on part, right? Because you heard Brother Daniel share this morning as well, right? He talks about a race. And the race is like, you know, you're running in this race, and he talks about a few things, right? And I won't make you flip to the scriptures, because there are quite a few places. But, in, in fact, we all read it this morning, right? We read about, in Second Timothy, right, he, we're running in a, way, in, in a race. Uh, and, in fact, Paul talks about the fact that he kept the faith, he ran the race. And then, in Second Corinthians, right, he talked about, we read, First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 9, we read earlier today, on the fact that, you know, you run, that you may obtain and win that prize, right? And that, and this part, passage, we do want to turn to, if you can, if you have your Bible with you, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Actually, 1 and 2, we'll read both. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Ready? Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every way and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the part that I want, to pay, want you to pay attention to is the end of verse 1. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, and that is the focus today, right? It's the running with endurance. Because what is the secret? So first of all, any of you athletes here? Who's an athlete? Alright, so let me just quickly ask you. Why is endurance so tough in terms of an athlete? For an athlete? I mean, you want endurance, right? But it's like not the easiest thing. Why? You need the willpower to keep on going. Okay, yep. Any other athletes out there? Say again. Your what? Your lungs are weak. Got it. Yes. Sometimes you're like hyperventilating, right? So you feel like you can't go any further. Any others? Yeah. Keep your energy up, right? Because, of course, like, you know, I mean, if you, have, if you have, like, done dashes, right, 100 meters, you can, uh, uh, actually, if you haven't realized, everyone can run short distance, no problem. It's actually, everyone can do it, right, especially if, like, a lion's chasing you. Yeah, well, yeah, everyone's going to be running. But to run miles and miles and miles, it's a totally different story. So, endurance, Paul talks about this race, right, that you have to win. If you think about it, how do you win the race? It's not by running fast. Because, like I said, you can run fast for like 100 meters, but that's not going to get you very far, right? And, in fact, endurance is also not about just, you know, trucking along, because you can walk the whole thing. You're not going to win anything, right? So, you see, like, t- 
talking about winning the race, you need endurance. Endurance is like the secret, right? The secret sauce to winning the race. It's actually very important. Now, what is endurance? If you, you know, not, not to go into it too much, but like, you know, if you look at the word endurance in the Greek word, right? It's actually one of those complex words. And sometimes in your Bible, it's translated as endurance. Sometimes it's translated as patience. And it speaks of actually almost like a cheerful hopefulness, like something you're like joyfully looking forward to, right? And, and that's endurance. Not the, not the I'm like dreading it, I'm like suffering through, but like there is something cheerful to it that you're looking forward to it. And so, you know, again, talking about that you would win the race, right? That you want to run with endurance. So you see, again, endurance is something that is very important. Now, why is it so important for Christians to have endurance? Well, as all of you, right, if, if, we're, if we're speaking honest truth here, okay, any of you have these uh, moments where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm on fire, I'm going to read the Bible every day, I'm going to read it, every day for like every week and you and you yeah we all do that right and then we do that we do it for one week and sometimes we do it for two weeks sometimes when we're really good we do it for a whole month maybe even three months and then what happens right you if, you, if you're honest right you all have done that because i have i know i know many have right that you eventually kind of you know as time goes on it kind of fade away a little bit, right? And then you find yourself not reading as often. And then somewhere down the line, you go to a conference and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, got to read, read the Bible, on fire, and the Lord touches you. And you start reading again, you start reading every day, and then, you know, and then you go back, right? Like, that seems to be the pattern. Um, or sometimes we get sidetracked, right? Sometimes you're like so focused on what the Lord wants to say, you're focused on the things of the Lord, and the next thing you know, sometimes, you know, your friends kind of distract you, your schoolwork distracts you, and the next thing you know, you're not focused on the Lord already. And so, you know, we get easily sidetracked as well. And sometimes we get discouraged also. You know, sometimes you try to follow the Lord, and then you fail, and then you're like, oh, see, here I go again, I really can't do this, I give up, right? And so... This is something, endurance, by the way, right, and, and I'm sure all of those who are athletes, right, who are in sports, you would know this. This is not something you can fake, right? It, you can't fake endurance. You can fake a, a short run, but you cannot fake endurance because, you know, like you were saying, you know, you, you, when your lungs are not used to, like, you know, like breathing so hard, you just feel like, you know, it's about to explode and you just can't do it. So it's not something that you can fake through it. It's only for Christians, right? It's only when your life with the Lord is real that there's reality to it. You really know who He is. You're really living in the Spirit. You really is living through what the Lord is doing through you every day. Like all those are not just talks, not just knowledge that you know, but this is real. Like, only then will you actually have endurance. So today, I want to actually go to the book of Hebrews and share with you two lessons. There are actually many there. I don't think we have the time. So I'll just touch on two. Now, Hebrews, just give you a very quick uh, background on Hebrews. So in Hebrews, right, the book of Hebrews, there's actually a lot of similarities between the Christians in the, in the book of Hebrews that, that the writer was writing to right, versus our, our world today in the fact that back in the, those days when the, the Christians 
that were, that were the Hebrew Christians, right? It was very hard for them to endure as well. Uh, you know why? Because so this book was written just before, uh, like 70 A.D. Right? That was just before Jerusalem was destroyed, was burned down. Um, and so those Christians who are Hebrew, so they were Jewish before, right? They got saved, and they, you know, saw the reality of Christ. They saw how Jesus is truly their salvation. And so, you know, they turned away from all this fixed stuff around, you know, sacrifices, you know, the temple and all that, and, they, and then they were set free from the law. And then they were following Jesus, right? That's what they were doing. Um, but, but, you know, the, the world, imagine the world that, that, that they lived in was tough because those other Jews that were not, you know, believing Christians, they were going after them, right? They were persecuted. Remember Paul, right? He, everywhere he went, Right? There were all these Jews who would follow him and try to you know, destroy his work. So imagine you're one of these Christians who used to be a Jew. Now you become a Christian. Right? You're being persecuted and you're being pressured all day long by these Jews who, who, who think that you're like Paul. So they were living a tough life. And in fact, it got worse and worse and worse because at one point, Christianity actually was no longer recognized as a legal religion within the Roman Empire. Versus if you're a Jew, if you stay you know, with Judaism... It's actually recognized, and you will be protected. You are safe. You're not doing anything wrong. So, you see, those Hebrew Christians, they were stuck living between two worlds, right? On the one world, they're trying to, they, they know they're, they're Christians. They know that this is real. They know the Lord Jesus is real. Salvation is real. But then on the other hand, they're stuck living in this world of being, living in the world of a Jew, that, you know, it's about the temple sacrifices, it's about the law, it's about, you know, all that Jewish stuff. And they, as that pressure mounts on them to, to, you know, live more like a Jew and give up Christianity, it gets tougher and tougher. And some just want to quit. They just want to shrink back and just quit, right? Why is that, right? Because, think about it, right? If you're trying to lift that balance, right? It's like, okay, Maybe I, I, I know Christianity is real, so I'll, I'll live as a Christian. But then at the same time, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll just go to the temple once in a while, pretend like I'm still a Jew, then, you know, then, then, I, then I have no trouble with anyone. Right? Maybe I offer a sacrifice once in a while, then maybe it's okay. Then, then I kind of live like a Christian, but then I'm kind of like a Jew too. And then, you know, I try to balance both worlds. So a lot of them were stuck in that world. But more and more, as that pressure mounts, right, it almost becomes like it's just not worth it almost to live as Christians anymore for them. And that's why in the book of Hebrews, it talks about them almost want to throw in the towel and quit, right? Because it's just so tough. It's not worth it. Everyone is getting ahead. It's not getting easier. I'm getting persecuted. You know, people are giving me issues. It's not worth Like, what is the, what's there for me to gain? Should I just throw in the towel, Right. And so you can see why it was so difficult for them to endure. And if you think about the world that we live in today, where you live in today, right, it's also very similar in that oftentimes you feel like, yeah, you're in, you know, kind of in the world and you, you know the Lord, you're trying to live as a Christian, but you're still living in the world. And more and more sometimes you look at your friends, the friends look at you, and then you say, ah, it's just, you know, is, is this still relevant? It, 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 the, you know, it seems like if I follow the Lord, uh, everyone else is getting ahead. Uh, is, it, is it even worth it, right? And then you find it just so difficult to endure. Think about how busy you are, right? Nowadays, the name of the game is like, if you're not busy, you're not normal, 
right? You start, like, as long as you are, you, you're already decked with, like, you, you need to have three extracurricular activities, and by the time high school comes, you need to have ten, and then if you don't do any of that, then, you know, like, then that's what the schools want, right? I mean, it's craziness. And then wait till you get to go to college, everyone has, like, I mean, ask those who are in college now, I, I, I can't even phantom. It seems like the whole day, they're, they're, they're busy, and then they go work, and then they have other stuff. It's, like, nonstop, right? And there's no time for anything, right? And so, in such an environment, it's so difficult for us to also endure. But this is where there's a key. So I'm, I'm going to hand you this key right now, right? What is the key to endurance? In fact, let's take a look real quick. It's right in the middle of Hebrews. So if you go two chapters back in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Actually, we'll do 37 and 38. 37, 38 of chapter 10. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So this is the key. The just shall live by faith. In fact, that is the key to the book of Hebrews. If you're reading, you'll see that the whole book is all going back, leading up to this verse, like the ten chapters beforehand, and then all the chapters afterwards, right? Like, this is actually the key to unlock the entire book. It's the just shall live by faith. And so you see, faith and endurance actually are hand in hand. If you want to have endurance, you need faith. You, you need to have endurance, you need faith, faith and endurance, vice versa. And um, the Hebrews, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews, right, is basically encouraging those Hebrews Christians to, hey, don't give up. Don't give up. There's a goal. There's a price. But live by faith. This is how you can endure. And so, you know, when you look at when everything around is so difficult, when you feel like you want to throw in the towel, when you feel like I just don't, I don't even know how I'm going to be a Christian anymore, this is what the word of the writer of Hebrews has for us. We shall live by faith. Now, what does that mean, right? You, you, you all know live by faith. Now, I'll just give you two practical lessons from the book of Hebrews. The first one, if you want to write that down, is living by faith, not by sight. Living by faith, not by sight. So now, what does that mean? So, in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, Right? We won't turn to it, but I'll just tell you the story. It talks about the story of the Israelites when they were going from, you know, you all know this, right? They left Egypt at some point because God told them that I've seen your suffering and that, you know, I've heard your cry. I'm going to take you out from Egypt to the land flowing of milk and honey, a very large and good land, right? That's what God said to them. Um, the, and then what happens? Well, as you know, the story goes, then they left Egypt. They went, they crossed the Red Sea, and then, you know, the, 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 the Egyptian army was crushed in the, in, in the Red Sea. And then so they continued the journey, right, all the way. They walked through the wilderness, and then, believe it or not, actually in less than a year and a half from leaving Egypt, they made it to the, the door just south of Canaan, which is where God was bringing them. So in less than a year and a half, they got there no problem, right, right there. And then what did they do? Well, if you remember the stories, right, from Numbers, then they decided, well, let's send some spies to look at that land that God has given us. And so they sent 12 spies, 
right, to go look at the land. And then what happens? Well, ten of the spies came back saying that, you know, oh, this land, yeah, you've got some fruits here, gigantic fruits, the grape like this big, right? It's really good. Indeed, land flowing of milk and honey, God didn't lie. Uh, but the problem is, guys, we got some giants in there. They got big cities. They got, like, tanks. Of course, they have no tanks. But, you know, they got, like, you know, all these, like, ar- armories and, like, you know, weaponry that, you know, they got missiles going to blow us up. There's no way we can conquer it, right? Except the other two, right? So Joshua and Caleb, right, that's the two of the twelve, right, said, no, we can actually do it. That these people, we're going to crush them. God has already given them to us. And let's go in right now. Of course, then what happened? Then they decided that the people heard that. And then they, they, heard, they listened to the tent and said, oh, no, no, no. We don't want to go in. They're too strong for us. We don't want to die. And then, of course, then what happened? Then they didn't go in, right? And that's when God said, hey, if you are not get, after seeing all my signs and wonders, you decide to be unbelieving and disobeying, then none of you will go in. And that's why, in the end, none of those people of that generation made it in, except Joshua and Caleb. It was the new generation that comes after them that made it in. And by the way, they wander in the wilderness for how long? 40 years, right? Instead of less than a year and a half, they could have been in there. So, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3 and 4, it talks about that story. Now, the question I have for you is, so, you know, we're talking about what is living by faith and what is living by sight. My question to you is, how is it possible that ten of the spies saw the land and said it was a bad report? And then the other two saw the exact same thing and then said, this is, we're going to take them down, no problem. They saw the exact same thing, right? They were in this exact same place. They saw the exact same thing. How is it that they gave completely opposite reports? Well, so the ten were living by sight. And, and to be honest with you, were they actually telling the truth? They were, right? Those people were big. They are indeed giants. They have fortified cities, right? So it's not that they were lying. They were actually looking, they were just reporting as, it, as they saw it, right? Now, what about the other two? What was different about them, right? Caleb and Joshua. Because they said, yeah, we can overcome them, and they're like bread for us. Their protection is gone. God has given them to us. Let's go in. We can surely overtake them, right? How did they come up with that? Well, so you see, the difference is the first, the ten were living by sight. It's literally what they saw, versus the other two was going by faith. Now, what does that mean? You see, it's not that the ten were telling, you know, you know, telling a lie, right? They were telling the reality. But what Caleb and Joshua saw was they saw an overriding reality. It's almost like, yeah, they saw that, but they saw an other reality that overrides the physical reality that they saw. And then based on that, that's how they make the recommendation. And brothers and sisters, that is living by faith versus living by sight. Because when Joshua and Caleb saw it, what did they see? They saw it through God's eyes, right? They saw God's plan. They saw God's promise. They saw God's way. And they know God is fighting for them. And so that's why they knew. They knew, like, the land is already them, right? 
And there's a secret to it, because if you read, right, when God talks about Caleb, why Caleb is so special, it talks about the fact that because Caleb has a, had, a, had a different spirit. Now, that word spirit is the exact same word in Hebrews as the spirit of God. So, you see, this is, the spirit has a big part to do with this. And that is because, brothers and sisters, there is a spiritual realm. There is a spiritual reality. And that reality is the reality according to God, right? As I said, the difference is, are you seeing, talking, thinking like what normal men would do? Or if you see the overriding reality, right? And what is the overriding reality? Is when you understand God's point of view. When you see, when you think as God thinks, when you talk as God talks, when you see as God sees, and as you hear as God hears, that's that overriding spiritual reality that is there. And of course we know, right? If, if you're a Christian, you know, by the way, that there is a spiritual realm. Because think about your friends who do not yet know the Lord, right? When you talk salvation, talk about Jesus, right? What do they think? They think, ah, some a whole bunch of baloney, right? Like, what is this? They don't understand. It's almost like they don't get it. It's like Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus said, wait, how can this be? But the fact of the reality is, if you're a Christian, you know, oh yeah, the Lord is real. The Lord is true, right? And there is realness to the spiritual reality of salvation. And when you started knowing the Lord, right, now, like you heard this morning, right, you realize, oh, God has a plan for you. God has a good plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And that not only that, right, but that He has, he's building us as a body, as a church, as a bride. He's working on that. But not only that, you also see that there's a spiritual conflict. There's Satan, right? It's not that, you know, things are just randomly happening in the world. No, there's a force of Satan behind things, and it's actively fighting the Spirit of God. And now he's looking for, you heard, right? He's looking for kings, looking for overcomers, for sons to reign with him and fight against the enemy Satan, right? Now, if you don't, I, I mean, you, you tell me, right? Is, is that reality to you or is that just what you know? Now, but if you know the Spirit, if you know God, right? You know what I'm saying is true. But that's because the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals that to you. You see that. You actually experience it. It's no longer something that people just tell you. But now it's a spiritual reality. That's the overriding reality. And now... However, right, in our experience, let me, let me ask you, like that sounded all good, right? But what is, let's bring it to, to real life. What is your daily experience? What's our experience like? I tell you what our experience is often like. This is how I would describe it. Have you seen grinds, like, you know, like, like, you know, like mills that grind things, right? And you kind of grind like this, right? Um, Usually in the old days, they put donkeys, right, or whatever, mules, right, and then, you know, you go around it, and then the donkey will, like, push the thing round and round and round, and that's where you dangle the, the carrot in front of them. And so you're just, like, grinding it out, grinding it out, grinding it out. That, uh, so you have that picture? So if you're, if you're being honest, isn't that oftentimes our daily experience? Is that you're just like that mule, that donkey, just, like, grinding it out, you know, Round and round, it's just like toughing it out, oh, so tiring. Monday, you're looking forward to Friday. On Friday, you're looking forward to the next holiday. 
and then you just like you know wake up and you're so tired and you do what you need to do in school and then you come back you still need to do more activities and then you just need to do your homework and then you go to eat some more and then go to sleep again and then repeat and repeat it kind of feels like that's that's kind of how we live sometimes and it's just so tiring right many of you are like you know i'm tired already even sitting here even coming to this conference the fact that you're here it's like a miracle because otherwise you see like people are like yawning people are tired it's like how do i do this and that's kind of our experience and then what do we do right and then and then when we're in that grinding mode you end up living by sight right then you just you know oh whatever people do then i just do the same thing right instead of living by faith but is that how the lord wants us to live is that the spiritual reality? Do you see the spiritual reality in your life beyond just, you know, grinding around the, the, the mill? And let me give you this picture, right, which I love. Um, any of you been on an airplane? Almost all of you, right? So if you're on an airplane, right, and, and when you're high up, right, you can see the clouds b- below you sometimes, right? And I have, you know, often had this experience where you're on the plane, you know, and you look you know, above the clouds looks so beautiful, like a sea of clouds, and then the, the ray of sunlight, you know, it's all golden, you know, shining on the sea of clouds, and it's like the most beautiful thing ever, and then you're like, wow, this is so pretty, and the next thing you know, you start descending, right, you're landing, and then as you go lower and lower, lower, you get into the clouds, and what happens when you get into the clouds? It gets bumpy, right, and the next thing you know, you're below the clouds, and then I'm just, mar- I just like, marvels at, 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 at this whenever I experience that, is that, and then you go from that, like, blue sky, golden sun ray to, like, whoa, like, storm and, like, lightning and rain about, like, below the clouds, right? It's almost like two different worlds. It's just, like, whether you're above the clouds or you're below the clouds. And brothers and sisters, living, right, that grinding life, right, the the life of the grind, right, that's when you're flying at the altitude of never-ending grind, right, versus... You could be flying at the altitude of life in the spirit, and that is when you're above the clouds. The fact is, you're flying over the same place. You can choose, you're exactly at the same, same location, but are you, at, are you above the clouds or are you below the clouds? Because, let's be honest, if you're below the clouds, you know how it is like. It's stormy, it's dark, you can't see what is ahead, even if you know what the goal is, right? We talk about the goal, you talk about the price, you lose sight of that because you just can't see a thing. Right? It's bumpy, really bumpy. Versus if you're above the clouds, right, and when you're at the altitude of life in the spirit, living by the faith, that's now when you see, I can actually see. Sure, you may have turbulences, but hey, at least you can see. It's a totally two different worlds. And so, the question is, where are you flying at? Right? Now, I think if we are, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you, couple of practical uh, examples right one of it is say um, your values right your values living by sight right this is living by sight is you look at your friends and you say hey everyone cheats on exams everyone does it oh why, why can't I do that too okay and I know it happens. Trust me, I know. Right? And so, but brothers and sisters, that would be saying, I'm just going to live and agree with and do what men on this earth does. Right? Living by sights. You're in that altitude of bumpiness. 
right? Versus, if you're living by faith, what is the overriding reality? You know that the Lord is watching. You know that the Lord is watching you. The Lord knows what you are doing. He's a righteous God. And if you see that, right, then now the reality is like, oh wait, I don't apply that earthly reality to me. Now my standard, my value, is one that is of the Lord. That, and that's why I don't just do what people do. I don't just cheat because they do it. Yeah, they, they can do it all they want, but I don't because I have that overriding reality. Right? Or if you're going, for those of you who go to Friday, uh, I don't know if it's Friday night for you, you go to your Bible study, right? Sometimes you're so tired, right? After all the whole week, and then you're like, oh, I don't want to feel like going to Bible study. Okay, the reality again is, right? If you're living by sight, you may think, oh, if I go to Bible study, then I still have to finish all these work, I have to stay up late, I'm going to lose time over the weekend. Uh, all these reasons why you don't want to go, right? Versus, if you are living by that spiritual reality, if you're flying at the altitude of life in the spirit, if you're living by faith, then by faith you know, but the Lord will bless me. In fact, I'm going to get much more than faster than if I don't. And there are countless of those who have had that faith, who trust that to the Lord and said, you know what, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to do it, right? And then how the Lord actually delivered them through it, right? Now, the question is, but... Are you where? Where are you flying at? Right? Are you at that altitude of, of above the clouds where you can actually see, or are you just doing your daily grinds, just constantly grinding around in that bumpy below the clouds altitude? Now, practically, what does that mean? I would say I, I'll just I'll make it very quick. I would just say there are three things. How how can you have um, how can you fly at that altitude? Right of life in the spirit, above the clouds. Number one is you have to look up. You have to look up to the Lord. And I'm going to make it very, super practical for you. Okay? Let me ask you, what's the first thing you grab in the morning? How many of you, first thing you grab in the morning is this? I know you don't want to put up your hands, but I know, I know many of you do. Okay, the first thing you, of course you may say, but I'm trying to shut off my alarm. Right? All right, no excuses. Now, I'm just saying, when you are looking at your phone, where are you looking? You're looking down. You're looking down. You're not looking up. And believe it or not, looking down at your phone is one of the reasons why it's so difficult to look up. Because all you can think of, all you're focused on, is focus on the altitude of that storminess below the clouds. In this world, what your friends do, what you think friends do, so, brothers and sisters, are you looking down or are you looking up? Even in this matter of, are you even just, are you doing looking down all the time? Or do you even take a moment to look up? Forget the phone. Look up to the Lord. Look, because, believe it or not, even, try me if you haven't done it, right? Just the fact of you lifting your head up and look towards the heavens, actually, you may, you may think, you know, oh, what's so special about that, right? Actually, it actually changes your, 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 your outlook completely. Because if you're constantly looking at this, right, not only, not, not only that your, your neck hurts, right, but now you, you, you don't even realize, but you're actually focusing on things on this earth versus looking at the Lord, right? So are you looking up or looking down? Secondly, allow the Holy Spirit to lead. Okay, because 
Only the Spirit can review that spiritual reality. So, but have you even asked the Holy Spirit sometimes? Right? Have you even prayed and asked the Holy Spirit, Lord, what is the reality? What is going on? I feel so tired. I don't know what's going on. And the third is, do you dare? I'm going to put it this way. The third is, do you even dare? Like the whole um, example I gave you around going to Bible study, right? It's almost like you kind of need to use a little bit of gut and be like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And in fact, in Malachi, we won't turn to it, the Lord, I love this phrase, the Lord said, try me now in this. Try me now. Like, try me. Try it. Dare, do you dare to try me? And I feel like sometimes that's what is needed. Is that, you know, you just kind of have to dare it and just do it. And, you know, even though you know that, yeah, maybe I, I will, you know, need to do more work later on. But you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to go by faith. And then the Lord will come through. Right? So, that's lesson number one. Now, lesson number two, and I know I'm kind of massively behind, so I'm going to make this quick. I'm just going to describe this as, lesson number two, if you want to write this down, is that Jesus is the anchor of our faith. Jesus is the anchor of our faith. Because in the book of Hebrews, it gives us two, two uh, different analogies. One is an anchor, and the other one is shaking. And I think for us, right, as Christians, it is important to recognize that, first of all, um, there is a shaking that is going on. And what does it mean by shaking, right? So, what does shaking does, right? If you shake something, right, if this is not one piece, it's going to fly, it's going to fall apart, right? So, like, for example, if I would shake this table, these things, these things will all fly off the table, right? Because they're not stuck together. And that's exactly what is happening, right? Is that the Lord is saying that, you know, we're going to, as Christians, we're going to go through times of shaking where things that don't belong will get removed. They will get, they will get thrown off the table. And only what actually is real and actually stuck, right? It's the one piece together, the only thing that is real that would actually stay. And the question is, you know, in times like these when things are shaking, what are you holding on to? Because, you know, if you've been to earthquakes, right, and I have because I came from the West Coast, um, you know, it's kind of like scary. And then you find yourself like holding on to things. But the question is, what are you holding on to? And the Bible, that's why it talks about the anchor. Because Jesus is also an anchor. Now, the anchor is... Um, it's interesting because, you know, anchor is what holds boats into, on one place, right? So you cast anchor, the boat is not going to flow away even though you're in an ocean, even though there's a current, right? It's going to hold the boat together, stay in the one place, even though there's, you know, shaking going on, right? So the anchor is very important. Now, in the time of shaking, right, anything that is not real, anything that is man-made, it's all going to not stand. And what is shaking to us sometimes? It's adversity. Right? Think about the difficult situations that you go through when you're experiencing failure, when you're experiencing uncertainty, when things are not working so well. All of a sudden, you don't behave on your best behavior anymore. Right? It's either you have it and you really know the Lord, or you're going to get nervous, you're going to get anxious, you're going to get angry. Right? It throws you way off. 
But this matter of anchor, right? I would just say, the anchor, remember um, the mustard seeds, right? Jesus talks about faith as a mustard seed. So, if you realize, the mustard seed is like the smallest thing on this earth. So, he's not talking about you need more faith in terms of, hey, you know, sometimes we say, hey, if I have more faith, I have stronger faith, then I can do great things. But the Lord is saying, no, that doesn't matter. It's not like you need more faith. But what matters is what is your faith tied to? Okay? It's about what your faith is actually anchored to. Because if your faith is anchored to, you know, a loose piece of wood lying around, it, it, you know, the boat is still going to flow, uh, 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 flow away. Right? Versus if your boat is tied to a strong anchor, well, then nothing will move it. Right? And that's, that's what makes the difference. And I think the real question for us is, do we actually know what our anchor is? Because there's the time that will come when you will feel like, oh, everything is just going wrong. You know, I, I don't even know what's going on. My, my family I'm having trouble with. I'm constantly in argument with my siblings and my parents are not on good terms with me. My friends are betraying me. My schoolwork is failing. I'm just not doing well. And maybe you're not quite there yet. Maybe you think everything is going swimmingly. And maybe that is the case. But I can tell you, as a Christian, the Lord will all lead us to one point or another where you face certain adversity, certain challenges, that it's beyond your control. And that you feel like it's just, I, I don't even know what to do. And that all your faith is gone. Right? And so, I think it's important that we know that. Because I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe you're dealing with a certain adversity in your life too. But you just need to know that actually all these are from the Lord doing this so that the things that are meant to stand, things that are real would stay. And there's only one thing that is real, and it's the Lord Jesus, right? Not what you do, not what you pretend to be, not what you do outwardly, but is there the true knowing of who the Lord is? Do you really know who the Lord is? And, do, and, and more importantly, is do you really believe the Lord is who he says he is. Do you believe the Lord is who he says he is? Because, you know, okay, say, say he's the Prince of Peace. You may know that. But now do you really believe that, that he is the Prince of Peace? So, or when, when he says, like we heard this morning, right? All things happen for good, right? But what if something that is really bad is happening to you? Then do you still believe that? So, I think... Um, and I'll share this from my own, my own experience I'll, I'll tell you it is in that moment that the Lord then looks to you and asks yes I know things are going bad I know things are not going well for you I know you're having a difficult time but do you still trust me would you still trust me even though I have not showed up to even save you yet you're still in the trouble. But do you trust me? Do you still think that I love you? Do you still believe that I love you? Do you still believe that all things work for good? And in that moment, sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes it's very hard. But you see, there's a big difference between the Lord is going to deliver you and that's your faith versus you know whether the Lord believes, uh, sorry, whether the Lord saves me or not, whether the Lord comes to deliver, or, 
deliver me or not, I still believe he is who he is. Do you remember the story of Daniel and his friends? Right? So the fiery furnace. So remember what happened, right? The king Nebuchadnezzar said, you know, you know, bow down to me. Of course, the friends said no. And then so they got thrown into the furnace uh, for not obeying the king. Now, what did the friends say? The friends said to the king Nebuchadnezzar that, king, we know that our God can deliver us more than capable to deliver us. But if he, whether he will deliver us or whether he will not deliver us, it doesn't matter. We're still going to serve him anyways. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's the faith that we're talking about. That is knowing and really believing the Lord saying that who he, he is who he is. Because they know, yeah, God can save me. I know that. And whether he, he God shows up right now to deliver us, or if he doesn't, which by the way I know he can, but he has for his reason, I still believe that he is king, I still believe he reigns, I still believe he is the best for us, I will still follow him anyways, because I know he is who he is. And the question is, do you know who the Lord is? And do you really believe he is who he says to you he is? Even in the moment where things are not going well, even in the moment when things are failing, when things are falling apart. Now, in conclusion, I will just close with uh, two thoughts, two comforting thoughts. One is, you know, going back to the story of, of Daniel, right? In the fiery furnace, do you remember how many people were in the furnace? Uh huh. So who's the fourth person? People say it's eight. it was Jesus, but then we don't really know. Never said. Okay. So, so in Daniel, right, in the book, it actually says that he's like the image, the likeness of the Son of Man. So you're right. Most likely, that is what we're looking at. Now, but that is a comforting thought, right? Because you, you, we were just talking about how you could feel like you're in the furnace right now, right? And you feel like, oh, it's so tough, and then you know. You know, I just have to follow the Lord somehow, and I will still trust Him and believe in Him. And you feel like maybe you know it's so you're by yourself, you're alone. But isn't it so comforting to know that? No, but they were not alone. There was a fourth person, and the Lord Jesus Himself was with them. And that even in those moments where you feel like you're in the furnace, where you feel like it's so tough that you have to kind of live by faith, you're not alone. The Lord Jesus was there, right there the whole time with them. And not only that, I would even go so far to say that he was the one who was protecting them. Even though they may not have realized it. But when you think of that, I mean, isn't it so comforting to know that when you are living by faith, that the Lord is right there with you. This whole time, whether you see it or not. And then the second thing I want to share with you is from the book of Habakkuk. If you can just quickly turn to that too in your in the Old, uh, Old Testament, the Book of Habakkuk is kind of it's in the uh, the Minor Prophets. It's kind of a couple books from the end of the Old Testament. If you just can turn to the last chapter, chapter three. Right, chapter 3 of Habakkuk, last 
couple verses. We'll start from verse 17. It says that, uh, Though the fig tree may not blossom, not a fruit on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, there be no hurt in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and He will make me walk on high hills. So, Imagine this picture. This, this is where you need to imagine a little bit, right? Imagine you're walking through the land of Israel, right? And instead of seeing the beautiful olive trees, the fig trees, and, you know, seeing the green grass, all the sheep and the cows and all that, right? Imagine a complete desolation picture, picture of desolation, where somehow you look at the fig trees, there's nothing on it. It's just withered branches, just limping in the wind, blowing with leaves. And then you look at the olive trees. There was nothing on it. It's all dried up. When you look at the land, it's all brown. There's no grass. When you look at the sheep folds, it's burnt down. It's all gone. There are no cows anywhere. The stalls were all burned. It's a picture of complete desolation. Right? And isn't it weird that even though that's the situation, that's the case, what did Habakkuk write? He said, yet I will joy in the Lord. I will rejoice. And brothers and sisters, again, if you see that, right, on the one hand, that's the physical reality. That's living by sight. But no, he was living by faith. He saw a different reality. He saw what the Lord was doing. There's an overriding spiritual reality that he saw. He knows that God is still in control. God is still there. And that he is doing a work. And that he will restore all things. And that's why he was still able to rejoice. And of course that was all based on the Lord being his anchor of that faith. But what is interesting to me is at the end, it talks about he will make my feet like deer's feet. Uh, Some of your version may say hind's feet. And I remember Brother Christian Chen used to say, actually these are mountain goats. Right, those that you know, you might have seen them on on, on, on on pictures, right? Where you have these cliffs, rocky cliffs, and then those are these goats that can somehow hop on, like they can climb the cliff. Have you seen those? Right, they can hop around, they can actually be on the cliff. It's one of those, right? Um, and it's interesting because think about it. The Lord is saying, you can be in these cliffy situations. You can be going through your environment where it's very hard to endure. But if you live by faith, your feet will be like these deer's feet that can somehow hop on top of that, like it's like flat ground. Like they have, they can actually travel it no problem. Like even though there are these situations, they ride above it and they can hop on high places. I mean, isn't it marvelous that if we live by faith, that that's what we'll find ourselves doing, and that's the altitude that we'll find ourselves above the clouds in that altitude of living by the Spirit, in the altitude of living by faith. So, that's what I would share with you, going back to this is the secret to endurance. Now, I know our time is up, but what I would ask of you is this. I'm going to hand these out. If you can each take one, actually take two, right? Can you pass along, each take two. And then what I want you to do, pass around each, pass around, each take two. Okay, once you have gotten it, I want you to write down. 
I'll give you guys a moment. Uh, I, I want you to write down what you want to commit to the Lord so that you may run with endurance, that you may live by faith. What would you do? What would you practically do differently? And what would you commit to the Lord in doing? And then once you have, ri- once you have write- written that, right, you don't need to write a whole paragraph. Right? Just, just write down to the point what you will do differently. And then make an exact copy of it so that you have the two of the same copy. Okay? And then once you have done that, one of the copies, I want you to post it up here. Once you have written it, you can stick it up here. And the other one, which we're going to get from everyone, right? And then the second copy, I want you to put it in your notebook. And then what I'm going to do is in three months' time, I'm going to send each of you an email with the picture to ask you, are you actually keeping up with what you said you were, you, you're committing to the Lord in doing? Right? So you will get an email from me in three months with that picture. So just write that down now and put one in your notebook and put one up here. Okay? What would you commit to the Lord to do differently so that you may run with endurance? Alright? Yeah, if you're done. But write two of the same thing. You did? Okay. And once you've done that, then you can put one up here anywhere you want. Nope, no need to put your name. Thank you. And make sure you put the other one in your notebook. If you're ready, just come on up and stick it up anywhere you like.
everyone got it? And that's why I'm going to take a picture of once everyone had a chance to stick it on, right? And then, as I said, in three months' time, I'm going to email you with that picture and ask you, have you actually followed through with endurance what you've committed to the Lord? So let's just quickly close this time and commit it back to the Lord. Lord, we just want to thank you for this time where we're able to come before your word in this matter of endurance and living by faith. Lord, we just pray that, again, you make it so practical for us that it is something that we're willing and able to follow you. Lord, teach us even in simple ways to follow you that we may not live as men live and think as men think and just see it their way. But, Lord, that we will follow you and we will live by faith. That, Lord, that we would see the reality of your way, of your truth, and that we are willing to follow you all the days. And so, Lord, we pray that, once again, you would make your words living to us and you would make your word practical to us. We commit them, and may you keep them in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.